Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, so I feel like a really close friend just invited me home for Christmas at his house, and I'm going to get even closer. That's how it feels, being invited to the Christ Church Madison Retreat for Catherine and me. It's like we already love you guys and know you guys and got to be there uh, watching you uh, be born. And now we get to spend what has become a sacred space for you all and a sweet place in the Lord with you. So, man, that was not a hard uh, response for us. We were, we were like, wow, we got asked to go to the Christchurch Madison Retreat. This is amazing. Praise God. Um, let me just begin with a couple of prayers, and then I'll say a little bit more about Catherine and me, and then we'll, we'll jump into our, our Bible teaching tonight and look at that together. Pray for us first. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. Mercifully grant now that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Then a prayer from the Anglican John Wesley. I'm no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or lay aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Before we we do some uh, Bible work together tonight, just a few more words of introduction. And um, I know many of you, it's fun to see some of our... uh, Previous sons and daughters of Rez, who are now Christ Church sons and daughters, and then those of you that have uh, been a part of the church either for a couple of years or perhaps just recently. So uh, Catherine and I have been married. We're going to hit 28 years this October, and um, we've got yes, that's a worth, worthy of a celebration. Very thankful. We've got six kids, so we go from Madeline, who's age 23, down to Beckett, who's actually here with us this weekend, age nine. So we got post-college, we've got college, we've got high school, we have middle school, we have grade school. Yes. Um, And we have moved out of toddler life. Just in time, just in time for our 50s, we moved out of toddler life. Um, So that was well planned. Um, uh, We we love uh, just the the life of um, the call that God gave us to be a part of family, and that's really been our first call from the beginning. We just felt really clear about that, that uh, we use the language of uh, John Chrysostom that we were called to focus on our little church, is what John Chrysostom, early church thinker, called the family. So we've been focused on our little church. Um, we also have had the joy of focusing on Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, and 
Um, uh, it's been about 21 and a half years that I've been leading Church of the Resurrection. I will actually transition the daily sort of weekly operations of Church of Resurrection in a week um, formally to Father Steve Williamson, who will be installed as the first dean of the Cathedral of Resurrection, which is really a seminal point to reach in our life together as a movement, as a diocese, and also as a cathedral. And it's a big deal for us um, with a lot of relief and some grief uh, combined as we hand off to our next generation of leaders of resurrection. So that's kind of what's going on there with that. I do get the joy of serving as a bishop. So I was already asked by Aaron Cunningham tonight, why do bishops always wear large crosses? Now, I don't know how encyclopedic his experience is of bishops, but clearly he's put together, at least when he hangs out with me, I'm wearing a large cross. Um, and he's actually very right that generally if you interact with any bishop throughout the world, in our Anglican tradition, in the Roman tradition, or in the Eastern tradition, they're going to have a large cross. That is actually a custom that goes across uh, different great traditions. And honestly, I don't know, I mean, it would seem obvious, right? But I don't know the origin of it. I don't know how it actually started. I'm just so thankful because one of the key roles of a bishop is the same key role of all of us as followers of Jesus, which is that we proclaim Christ and him crucified. There were just those who are so thankful we've been saved from our sins. And so I love wearing a large cross. Um, I find that um, actually when I wear the large cross without the collar, which is what I do most days, that creates more interest and more curiosity why I'm actually dressed in what would appear to be normal, you know, gear with a very large cross on. Um, if I want to have conversations, I wear black. Um, if I want to have no conversations, I wear purple because people look at it and they have no idea what to do with purple. Um, they see black and they think Roman Catholic priest and I'm almost always having a chat. It's almost always energized. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's very negative. Um, and other times I wear purple and then people just look at me. One guy finally said, I just can't figure out what order you're a part of. <laughs> so, Bishops, pastor, pastors, we have the joy of being a spiritual father. Um, within our diocese as well, I've been very clear that part of my call is to be one who sparks, uh, one who catalyzes the work of church planting. And that really is kind of the heart of what it means to be a bishop. I, in my understanding of the early church, when there weren't churches, is that they started churches and they helped sons and daughters that had connected with them heart to heart start more churches. And I've sought to sort of fashion my ministry after that early church vision, which is also seen especially in places like Africa, Asia, and South America, where bishops are primarily pastoring their pastors, pastoring their planters, and helping start new churches. And that's near the heart of what we do. So, Kathy, want to say anything? So we've planted 25 churches in the last seven years, which has been a real joy. Um, we've had churches come, we've had churches go, we had churches that started, didn't make it. So we've planted about 25 churches, and we have, I think, between 30 and 33 churches right now that are part of our, our diocesan movement. So, all right, anything else, love? You want to say more tomorrow when you talk? I will say more. Okay, you'll say more? All right, great. Let me hand this to you. All right, so I was, um, Scott did give me a lot of uh, sort of opportunity to think about this time together, and 
Um, I was thinking about this, thinking about our time together, thinking about resurrection as well, and praying over the summer about what was on my heart teaching-wise. And I think the thing that I felt like I needed more than anything else, and as a preacher, it isn't always about what I need, but I do listen to what's stirring in my own desire with God, is just how much I've needed time with Jesus. It's been such a hard seven months. Wow. And by God's plan, I mean, I've had quite a bit of hard over many years. Many of you probably know what I'm talking about. You've had quite a bit of hard. These have been really hard. Everything's so charged. Everyone, we're all more sensitive than usual. And we're Americans, so I think kind of culturally are sensitive people. And we're super sensitive right now. I mean, if you find you just like feel a lot of feelings all the time, I mean, whether you're expressing them or not as per personality, but like everyone feels feelings all the time, just how we manage them or express them or, you know, you know, uh, speak of them. But we're all, I mean, are you just amazed at how much you're feeling all the time? Just feeling things, feeling things right and left. You see a, a sign in somebody's yard, you feel something. You see several signs in somebody's yard, you feel something. Um, you see something, I'm, I'm, I'm not in social media, but I can only imagine how much I would be feeling if I was in social media. I couldn't handle it. I already feel things all the time. I, I would be overfelt. Um, I'd, I'd be just completely fried. Um, but there's so much feeling right now. There's been so much disorientation. A lot of grief. There's so much grief right now, isn't there, in our country? Some of it's important grief. It's, it's actually an important grieving time. There's a lot of grief. I mean, the things we're seeing on video. I mean, I, I'm not over yet seeing someone like George Floyd killed. I'm not over that. And I'm not making a political statement. Indeed, I've called for us as a diocese to be very engaged and committed to praying for our law enforcement as we pray for racial injustice. I think we should be, as Christians, able to do both. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying that, that really affected me emotionally as an American, and I'm still affected by that and many other, many other situations. I'm affected that a police officer was shot and killed not soon after that. I'm affected by that. Aren't you affected by those things? Oh, so I, I'd like us to have an evening and a day tomorrow and a morning on Sunday with the Lord Jesus. We can actually feel our feelings with him. We can take our sort of messed up nest of thinking to him. We can take healings that we need after these several months to him. Some of you are more anxious than you've ever been, I'm guessing. Okay, great, take a deep breath. We can take our anxieties to him this weekend. For some of you, I'm guessing it's been a really good Bible time, but my guess is for some of you, it has not been a good Bible time. So let's get Bible time, get our equilibrium back. Just, okay, we're stable, we're in the Bible. Let's get in the Bible together. 
So Lord, we, we need time with you. Um, we just can't be defended here, Jesus. We just we can't be defended. So I just ask now that you'd help us, Lord Jesus. Uh, we need grace that's beyond us for our defenses to come down. Uh, Lord, we've got defenses when we think about race. We have defenses when we think about COVID. But we need to have one defense with you, not one. So Lord, help our defenses now just to come down. For some of you, it might be helpful to imagine what your defenses look like. Is it a thick hedge? Perhaps it's concrete. Maybe it's been glass so that people don't think you're as defended as you really are. Maybe your defense has been it's as if something you're wearing, some kind of 21st century armor. May you've become very afraid to speak about almost anything. So one of your defenses has been, you're just going to be quiet. Or you're the opposite. You're defending yourself by you're talking way more than you think you should be. But you're trying to actually protect yourself by just continuing to say things. Just ask the Lord to bring your defense down now. I think it's really spiritually accurate to say that we're now in a safe place in the spirit of God. And these are fellow believers. And we're going to seek to love one another deeply from the heart. We're going to seek to accept one another and differing perspectives that need to be even now laid to rest at the feet of Jesus upon whom we put all of our belief and faith. Come Holy Spirit, come I pray. Come power of God, come tonight. Rest us, Lord, we need rest. And then enliven us, embolden us. Teach us yet again that we are the church of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Okay. You guys, let's um, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. As we start time with Jesus, I have spent the last six months um, working on four or five passages. Um, I've, I've got a older follower of Jesus who's been ministering to me and uh, coaching and directing me and the Lord and he's had me in several passages, and one passage that he has made me go back to over and over and over again has been Mary and Elizabeth. And I was, and I, so I wasn't drawn to it at first. I kind of saw it as a sort of bridge passage, honestly, between the Annunciation, which is so incredibly rich, and then the Magnificat. I was kind of like, Annunciation, Magnificat, you know, like, let's kind of like the slower part of the movie. Let's get through this so we can get to the good stuff. And, um, and so it's been really a joy to just spend a lot of time with Mary and Elizabeth. And I want to read this to you, and I want to teach tonight about, uh, about friendship. Um, now, right when I say friendship, I just have to say this. This is going to help me as a teacher tonight. Okay, I've said friendship. For some of you, you don't have this problem. You're too young or you weren't raised evangelical. So you actually have a massive advantage right now. If you're younger or weren't raised evangelical, you're, you're great. 
But if you were other raised evangelical, you're not as young, it's possible that I talk about friendship and you immediately think that a friend's a friend forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. Now, I don't want to mock that song because it's actually a beautiful song and I have a sweet memory. I was touched by it in 1985 when I first heard it sung, right? And, and so, praise the Lord, and you might actually love that song. You shouldn't be embarrassed about that. But it doesn't help me right now when I'm trying to teach on friendship because it kind of keeps friendship at a certain level and kind of caught in a certain genre and time period um, that I don't think, for all the song's merits, I'm not sure was actually able to plumb just how important to the gospel, just how important to actually ministering evangelistically and missionally and pastorally, just how important friendship is. So if by chance I say friendship and you just did some kind of brain connect there, I would just ask that you disconnect your brain from that and now connect your brain to Mary and Elizabeth. In those days, verse 39, chapter 1, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that. I mean, that's amazing. This is like we're just starting to hear about people being filled with the Holy Spirit. A prophet here, a king there. Um, throughout the Hebrew scriptures, but here we hear about Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord, the word of the Lord. Okay, so um, many of you guys have been to Resurrection, but not all of you. Uh, Res was built as a factory in the 1960s. And when we came in and wanted to make the major factory section a sanctuary, we had a massive problem because there were two iron girder pillars that were right in the front of the church that would have meant that no matter what we tried to do, people would have always had an obscured view because of these pillars right there. And so we took it to engineers and they said, oh, what we'll just do is chop those pillars down and we'll build a span across the building so that the support that was being given by the pillars will not be given by this span. Um, Dan Easley knows exactly what this span is. Margaret Filbert. Okay, so we people don't really care about the span unless they're engineers. And then they love the span. They, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm guessing that we have lots of engineers here. Um, I'm hoping that they love the cross more than the span when they look in the sanctuary. That's my hope and prayer. I generally, I generally just pray that for engineers. May they love the cross more than spans. Um, but for most of us, it's an unknown part of the building. And unless you knew the story, you wouldn't know how important that span is. By the way, that span was so well designed. Apparently, the engineer who designed it won some kind of award within his engineering guild, which is kind of cool. Um, so but not a feature like our cross, like our altar, like our awesome baptismal pool font that people reflect on and notice. And yet it's actually essential to making the resurrection building work. Unseen yet essential. I would like to argue this evening that friendship and especially God friendship is essential 
yet actually often unseen, not often remarked upon, not necessarily often thought about within the priorities of the gospel, and yet absolutely, like that span, utterly essential. In the scriptures, God friendships are often undernoticed, yet of critical importance. Indeed, one of the essential ways that we have time with Jesus is we have time with one another. This is amazing. I mean, you guys have not been gathered inside together since March. Am I, am I right? You've been having Holy Communion times outdoors together, Father Scott told me about. But I mean, aren't you just so glad to be around your, your Christchurch friends again? I mean, it's so much more than just a warm feeling, and it is that indeed. No, something spiritual is happening this evening. Something in the power of the gospel that those of us who've been saved by the power of God and have committed ourselves to a local church, to a local body of Jesus, are together as friends in one space. And what could come out of moments like this cannot be planned. They cannot be necessarily even forecasted. We don't know what the Holy Spirit does when friendship comes together under his power. When in such ways we encounter Jesus through our friendships. They're brought by him and they bond us to him and they bond us to each other. The activity, the agency of friendship is essential in the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's so important, it's so central that in really the very few words we have from Jesus the night before he goes to the cross, we, we have a few chapters, especially focused on in the Gospel of John. We really don't have a lot when you think about all that, that he might have said, but what we have in that is actually friendship playing a critical place. John chapter 15, verse 15. No longer, Jesus says, now, as I go to the cross, do I call you servants? But I have called you friends. Central to the cross. And the preaching of the cross is the friendship of Jesus with humanity. Indeed, he says just three verses prior to that, one of his most sort of central commands, and Father Scott called us to it tonight already, love one another. The rallying cry of God friendships. We cannot help but think of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, the friendship of David and Jonathan. The scriptures say, this is so beautiful, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. How beautiful. I love the friendship of Ruth and Naomi. Indeed, the friendship of Paul and Luke. When you read through Acts carefully, you find that it is very, very likely, if not, if not without question, that Luke spent two years ministering to Paul while he was in prison. And then we have this beautiful friendship of Mary and Elizabeth. Now, this passage within our Anglican cycle is properly read in Advent, and it is primarily about the coming of Jesus as Messiah, and then Elizabeth's prophetic leadership, she's operating in the role of prophetess, her prophetic leadership in seeing the Messiah who's coming. That's the central meaning of this text. That's the actually most important meaning of this text. But we also see here is an actually a narrative of God friendship, of Jesus friendship, and how essential it is to the proclamation of who Jesus is and to his ministry. Time with Jesus has a central reality of time with Jesus, friends. So let's look at together this passage, 
Let's look how we hasten to the house of friendship. So one of the, the places of the follower of Jesus is that we are those who hasten to the house. Now, friendship's not abstracted. Friendship's always somebody. It's a place. It's a, it's a space. It's a house. We hasten to the house of friendship, verses 39 to 41. And as we hasten to that house of friendship and we build friendship that is God friendship, friendship with the Lord and with one another who know the Lord, then we bless the work of Jesus in our friendships. If you will hasten to the house of friendship, and then you will have the courage and the selflessness to bless the work of Jesus in a friend, you will know God friendship. It's a wonderful detail that Luke, who's a phenomenal writer, gives us. So Mary arose, and we could just understand that, I mean, as he was talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and understanding her life, she might have even said to him, oh my goodness, Luke, I mean, I... I ran to Elizabeth's house. Now, she couldn't have run the whole way. It would have been probably too far. But I, I hastened. Like, she must have told Luke something when she told the story of how she went to see Elizabeth that had Luke say, she actually went and she hastened there. Indeed, what we see just prior to this, you have your Bibles in front of you, is we have the Annunciation. I mean, we have sentences like Gabriel saying, I mean, can you, this is amazing, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I mean, this is the moment where, we, where we, we see the impossible necessity of the incarnation of God. And a child be born will be called holy, the son of God. I mean, earth-shattering, a sentence to be pondered and shall be pondered forever. And following that sentence is this. And behold, your relative Elizabeth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So this is like, hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. Whoa! I mean, it's utterly earth-shattering, overshadowing the miracle of God becoming human. And then he says, oh, and Elizabeth. Well, Elizabeth? I mean, like, like, like my cousin? I mean, that'd be like, you know, oh, and Stuart, your cousin, Will. Will, Will. We're talking about Will right now? Why are we talking about Will? He actually still goes by Willie. Um, it is Indiana. Um, your cousin, Willie. I'd be like... I, this was really exciting, hallelujah chorus, everything's happening, earth shattering, and Angel's talking to me, and now we're talking about Willie, um, who I played Matchbox cars with, you know? Um, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. This utterly sublime, profound moment that is bonded to it a very human reality. Friendship. Elizabeth, a proper name. In her old age, has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. How could Mary not hasten? I mean, she's just been told something that without supernatural revelation be impossible to even receive, but she must have a partner in impossibility. Now, her impossibility is a whole other level, let's be clear. But Elizabeth's impossibility is an impossibility of the Old Testament scriptures. And impossibility is also visited upon some men and some women, women specifically, but husbands and wives in the Old Testament. And when Mary's being given this incredible charge, this incredible commission, she is given immediately a friend to live it with. When a call of God comes upon your life and the Lord gives all of us calls on our lives that without him would be impossible. If you're not clear, 
about the call of God in your life, that you may not be clear about the impossibility that he's calling you to, but he, he asks us all to do, to do things in him that without him would not be possible. If not, then we're just living our lives, not as Christians. He gives you impossibility partners, friends, who can as well say, nothing is impossible with God. I'm of old age, I'm barren, and I'll give birth to a child. I'm a virgin, and I'll give birth to a child. Which Elizabeth says, you win. <laughs> no wonder you're hastening to me. You need my friendship, Mary. Jesus calls 12 disciples, and then 120 other men and women after that. And of course, as is so well known, and yet maybe in light of this, it has new interest, he calls them out in twos. We're quite clear, and the early church was very clear, Mary's the first disciple. She's the first to meet Jesus. But we don't say enough about the second disciple, Elizabeth. They're called out as two. And they'll call out two and two and two. <laughs> These two women, Mary and Elizabeth, are first and second disciple. So let's just stop just a moment. And um, just do a little thinking here about your Jesus friendships. So for some of you, that's immediately a pain point. Um, maybe there's not a vibrant Jesus friendship in your life right now. So that's a pain reality. And I, I don't bring it up to cause you pain, but I actually bring it up to say, if that's the case, that's what you're feeling, then I think it'd be important to be real about that and honest about that. I'm I'm not in the kind of Jesus friendship I would love to be in right now. I've had Jesus friends, but I'm not in maybe geographical proximity to them right now. But if you hear Jesus friendship and it brings up pain, it would be good just to identify that and to have time with Jesus about that. It might be that you do have Jesus friendships, but if you're really honest, you kind of wish they were different. Like they're okay, but you know, <laughs> ah, right? So there I would say, huh, it may not be so much pain as it is, you've got some acceptance work to do. These are the friendships Jesus brought you. Um, he's called you to follow him, to proclaim him, to live for him, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, whose ever name he said, to Mary, he said Elizabeth. To you, he said, I don't know. And it's an acceptance. May there be an acceptance healing you would get this weekend of a friendship that, and we're saying, no, that's, that's whom I've given you. Pharisees are much more of a gift there than you knew. Or maybe there's just a savoring, just a, oh my goodness, I have it's been enough time just loving that I have that friend. And I just want to just thank God for that friend. So you guys know that, I mean, I'm not allowed by the canons of the ACNA to preach a sermon um, without mentioning C.S. Lewis, you know that, right? It's, it's a canonical truth. And so in case any of you were going to tell on me to Archbishop Foley, here's your Lewis quote. And it's a really good one. It's not as well known. And it's really sweet. Lewis says this, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. Right? I mean, I'm all taught by our parents to learn how to make friends, which is important to learn how to make friends. We think we've chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births or a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. 
A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. You have not chosen one another, but I, your Lord, have chosen you for one another. Your God friendships are providential treasures planned by God for you. That you could live a life in which you say, nothing is impossible with God. So I just want to say hasten to the house of friendship tonight in your heart and in your actions from here on out. Christchurch has had a soup and bread uh, friendship tradition over the last couple of years, and it sounds like they're transitioning. You guys are transitioning because soup and bread is a little tricky with COVID, so we're going to transition just to home groups, and that's launching in the next week or so. So here I would say is a place of Jesus friendship. It's more than just having people you can hang out with and small group life. I mean, for us as pastors, it's so hard to get past the kind of hackneyed small groups. Um, and I would say, well, yeah, small groups, but much more. Jesus friendship, gospel impossibility partner groups. All right. Can you do that? Yeah, I think that's going to work. Caitlin, could you like make that something on a website? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then the acronym will become more complicated. Spoken like a true Ivy staff, by the way. Um, but then the acronym will become more complicated. I'm like, what does it stand for? Um, all right. So, 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 so consider this. Open your hearts to this. Now, as we hasten, we hasten the house of friendship, and we do so in the Holy Spirit. One of my greatest joys in my Jesus friendships is ministering the power of the Holy Spirit to each other. It's so amazing. I mean, to have friends who love Jesus, who are saved by Jesus, who are spurring one another on in accountability and loving good deeds, who also can minister to each other the Holy Spirit. We can hear the Holy Spirit for one another. We can hear words of knowledge that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, words of wisdom. We can have prophetic ministry, biblically understood over one another that charges our friendship and builds us up and helps us see things that we would not have seen otherwise. What you see with Mary and Elizabeth is a Holy Spirit friendship. The Spirit of God is overshadowing Mary. And then we read that the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth, that this is central to gospel friendship. And so one reason I think sometimes why maybe our Christian friendships have honestly been somewhat disappointing or somewhat under, underwhelming is that maybe we haven't known how to invite the power of the Holy Spirit explicitly, blatantly into the life of our friendships, into the life of our prayer together, into learning how it is that we can actually prophesy over one another, which is to say, speaking the truth of the scriptures in a present way now, ministering the scriptures in a present way now. So I've got a friendship. It's, it's been a prayer partnership of almost 30 years. And one of the things we do is we text almost every day. And we're texting some hilarious things just to survive life, right? But we're also texting words of scripture and words of encouragement and ministry of the Holy Spirit to one another. We just had an amazing Holy Spirit friendship night, Catherine and I. We invited uh, three new friends. Uh, one friend has been longer, which is Pastor Michael Wright a black pastor in the city of Chicago, his wife, Tiffany, who we didn't know as well, and one of their leaders, Jatan. And they came to the house for dinner. 
And it was just a fun connection. And we're having dinner together and we were laughing. But as the night began to unfold, we began to realize, wait, whoa, whoa, like we're being caught up in a Holy Spirit night. We visited until one o'clock in the morning. And they were out at our house and they had to drive back into the city, which was very generous of them. And we find ourselves caught up in the life of the Holy Spirit. And we, we share testimonies of how Jesus saved us. And we're telling our stories about how the Holy Spirit's moved in our lives. And it was, it was jaw-dropping to hear how the Holy Spirit's moved. And we were getting closer to one another as the night went on. And dude, that's a great way in friendship, by the way, is to make sure you know your friend's testimonies. To make sure you know how they came to know Jesus and, and how the Holy Spirit's moved in their lives. It bonds us. It's a great way to make a new Jesus friend. It's to share our testimonies. It's all over the global south. I mean, if I got to preach, I'd have to give you my testimony for 15 minutes before I'd actually preach so you can make sure that I'm legit, right? That's the East African revival way. So Holy Spirit's help us bond. The Holy Spirit friendships help us bond deeply. And one of the things we see in the scriptures that's so beautiful are these Holy Spirit friendships are used for multi-ethnic, multicultural bonding. I mean, have you considered how profound it is that Luke and Paul were really close friends, Jew and Gentile? Is it even possible that when Paul is writing about the dividing wall coming down between Jew and Gentile in Ephesians chapter 2, he might be thinking of Luke? I mean, it's conjecture. But maybe he had Luke in his head, my Gentile friend, my Gentile brother, who has literally stood next to me as we both thought we might die, as we've survived one thing after another. They're like, we've, we've bonded in the Holy Spirit. We've bonded because of Jesus, the Savior. And I... The apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, was actually given a Gentile friend so that it wouldn't be abstracted or wouldn't be an idea that I had, but it would actually be something that was close to my own heart. The multi-ethnic friendship of Ruth and Naomi, how critical that is that a Moabite woman and a Jewish woman, Hebrew woman, come together in friendship. So much so that she's, Ruth, the Moabite's actually brought into the line of Jesus. So don't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit in multi-ethnic friendship. I am not saying, and I have to say stuff like this these days, right? That multi-ethnic friendship is the answer to everything in regard to racial injustice. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the gospel calls us together in realities like multi-ethnic friendship in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I would not underestimate that. I would not underestimate the power of that. Not for the gospel. Not when friendship is central, not when right after she's told the Holy Spirit will overshadow her, that Elizabeth will accompany her in that process. I would not underestimate the power of friendship and the power of multi-ethnic friendship. Pray for that. We never ever do this in a mechanical way. We never are friends with somebody because of their ethnicity alone, although that may be part of what draws us in interest and, 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 and love. But we ask God for this. Ask God for this. It's life-changing. It's very significant, Catherine's in my life our friendships globally, and our friendships within different um, ethnic realities within our own country. As you then come together in the power of the Holy Spirit, you hasten the house of friendship, you then bless the work of Jesus in your friend. And we see Elizabeth, she prophesies over Mary. She has no reason to know, of course, that uh, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She knows nothing from Mary, because Mary just had the Annunciation, so she's prophesying in the Spirit over her, and then she blesses her. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth sees the ministry of Jesus. She has a knowing, some kind of understanding in the Holy Spirit 
of what is happening and she blesses it. She names it. And in doing so, she puts Mary ahead of herself. She practices one of the core virtues of Jesus' friendship. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down their life for their friends. Very few of us will actually end up doing that literally. But every one of us has the opportunity for what's been called in the early church white martyrdom, where in friendship you lay down your life for someone else. I've been watching this on my son's cross-country team. It's a it's a pedantic, it's a pedantic example. Um, it's an everyday example where my son was running number three, and then he had one race, and he beat the number one and number two runners. And the number one and the number two runners, and that, that happened to me as a runner. I would be beaten by somebody that I was usually beating. And I didn't talk to them afterwards. I was too ashamed. I was too embarrassed. I was too mad. I was too whatever. These guys went up to my son, and they said, wow, you should always run with us. You may actually be better than we are. That's what they said to him. Run with us. You're as good as we are. That was just selfless. I mean, that was Christian. That was the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do something like that. So extrapolate upon that in your own friendships. How are we seeking for that opportunity to bless what God is doing in someone else's life and put them ahead of us in that way? Oh, the gift of a prayer partnership. If you don't have that gift right now, that is something to ask God for. Lord, I need a prayer partnership, someone that I'm praying with regularly, ideally in physical proximity, but if not, then, you know, in some kind of consistent connection. Lord, how can I have a prayer partnership where I can bless someone else? One thing my prayer partner has done for 20 plus years is he's always looking for a way to put me ahead of himself all the time, blessing me, strengthening me. I... I don't know how I would have gotten to where I am in my walking with Jesus without that grace. With calling comes friendship for the help to persevere because following Jesus is so challenging. I started by just saying it's been a hard seven months, hasn't it? So Mary needs Elizabeth to do what she does in verse 45. Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She is blessing her belief in Jesus. She's blessing her that she may have perseverance. And Mary, whose heart will be pierced by a sword, this will soon be prophesied over her by the prophet Simeon in the temple, Mary, whose heart will be pierced by a sword, will need this kind of friendship, this kind of Holy Spirit empowerment to persevere in her belief that what she was told by Gabriel was true that she was told was the plan of God was true. And friends, help us believe that what God has said in the Bible and that what God has said to us as we walk in prayer under the Bible is true. You need your friends to help you believe the Bible. Point blank. You will stop and begin to erode your belief in the Bible and the truths of the scriptures and the call to live our lives under the they have the power of God to do that, which would be impossible in our own strength. You will lose that ability if you're not surrounded by Elizabeths who are saying to you, blessed are you who believe. The Lord spoke to you in the scriptures about that. The Lord called you to this hard thing. The Lord will strengthen you to parent this child. You can do this in the Lord. You can't maintain a perseverance in your own strength and grit, heaven forbid. You're not designed to. You're not supposed to. My word, if Mary, who the church will later call the mother of God, could not do so, and needed Elizabeth immediately. Immediately she needed Elizabeth. How much more do we? Amen? Amen? So important to our gospel endeavor. 
So important to our gospel perseverance. So important to churches continuing and moving forward in unity and strength and having gospel impact on their cities and their towns and their rural areas. Friendship, unseen, but absolutely critical to holding everything together. We bless the work of Jesus now that we say the Lord's spoken to you. You can believe the Bible. Oh, how Paul needed Luke. Oh, how Moses needed Aaron and Miriam. So I think the pandemic has indeed caused some erosion for many of us in our friendships. The sheer inability to be physically proximate to one another, the fatigue of virtual relating, the things that have happened in our lives in secret during COVID, that now we're ashamed to be close to somebody else again. So I just wanna to pray tonight as we go into bonfire time and hanging out time. I'd love just to pray for the ministry of the hope of the Holy Spirit for just how important your friendship life is with other believers and how that affects your friendship with Jesus and how your friendship is your friendship of that which can empower you to walk in the Spirit.